0: the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. A three for the win battle. Bang! Boom, and the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through
1: on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonti. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you on Qes Basketball. The Orange, no doubt, picking up its best win of the season last night, 78-73 on the road at Louisville. I didn't even know it was a question. Um, you mean this is better? This is better than Buffalo at home? Buffalo and Virginia Tech, Maryland all home games, this one on the road against a, a team that's in the top 30 uh, in the RPI, and and the way that they did it, Seth, with six healthy bodies coming off, you know, you heard Jim Bam right there say, you know, we haven't been shooting it well of late, three straight games in which they didn't shoot better than 33% in a game. They've had one game since mid-January where they scored more than 60 points.
2: Yeah, you, know, you said last that's night, unbelievable
1: you said last night to me off the air that you had, had kind of given up on this team yeah I I, was I was I was like ready to be done with them we um we had Jason Anderson from ESPN Louisville on the show yesterday and I went on his show last night right around four o'clock and he asked me for a prediction. And I went on the air in Louisville, and I said, "What's a seven-point spread?" Based on the way Syracuse has been shooting the ball of late, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville wins this thing by double digits. So you give given up on the team. I went on the record saying I think they're going to lose by double digits, and they go on the his road. What reaction and, when you and said and they that, win by, by the way. five? That was the last question. He oh, said, okay. "He said thank you." But again, we—I mean, I was on for a good ten minutes, and we we hashed it out. And you know, he he asked me, you know, what's what's the problem? They said, "Well, the problem is easy to diagnose. The solution is not so easy." We saw, at least for a night, there was a solution. Now, can they do that night in and night out? That remains to be seen. I don't know if if, if we can expect to see what we saw last night on a, on a regular basis, but for one night anyway, they put it together against a pretty good team on the road.
2: Our Tyus Battle Frank Howard No O'Shea Brissett going to keep combining for 60-plus points? Because that's that's what we saw. Right, that's what we saw in the non-conference. And that was I and, was going to say
1: that was the blueprint early on.
2: And that's when they were really good. Like we saw in the non-conference. Oh, these guys score a boatload of points. Syracuse is going to win some games. Shocker. And then like that didn't happen. And it really didn't happen the last three weeks. And O'Shea Brissett had taken steps uh, backwards for whatever reason. His production had dropped off. And last night it didn't. Last night, he got to the line seven times. What was the stat? He had only been the to st- the, seven ti-
1: the line seven times over three games? It was nine times in the last five. Okay. Nine, so even more total, than nine total free throw attempts in the last five games. Prior to that, he had been averaging seven attempts per game. And so he, he got, got, back, line seven. got back to the seven attempts per game last night. Got back to doing what he does. I thought Merrick Dolajai played a very good game uh, at times in the middle of that zone. Uh, Thomas Battle and Frank Howard were both, you know, instead of four for 17, they were both seven for 15. That makes a big difference.
2: Oh, it's a huge difference. Can I, uh, you mentioned Dolajai. I want to bring this up. I, I did some number crunching here. Since Matthew Moyer left with the ankle injury, Right. And Dolajai went into that Boston College game. So, counting that game and the four since, his last five games, he's been playing 35 minutes a game. He's averaging more than eight points, 6.8 rebounds, more than two assists, more than a block, more than a steal per game. What more? What more realistically can you ask for out of him? I mean, he's, he had, he's been great over the last five games.
1: He had arguably the biggest basket of the game last night. The he did. tip in with just under a minute to go. That or the or the Tyus battle jumper. When again, it was a four point game. Battle made it six. That was a four point game. Dolajai made it six with just under a minute to go, and they were able to hang on from there. He did a lot of really good things. Uh, Merrick Dolajai has continued to play well. There's a reason he's starting, and he's going to stay in the starting lineup now. To do this with six guys, and I know Braden Bear. Uh, played at the the very end of that first half for for one minute, but they he, did this. With he didn't six have guys. a great minute. He did not. He traveled, passed up a shot, and then and then backed uh, off the guy before he off, drained a forty uh, footer Perry. in his face. Right, yeah. that, that was not a not a great look. He'll learn from that. They did it with six guys. It's concerning that Barama Sidibe continues to be out. You hope that he can get healthy. That's why I say I don't know if this is sustainable because to expect them, and, and you look at the murderer's row they've got coming up, it, it's Wake and NC State next, but after that, Miami, Carolina, Duke at BC, Clemson to close out the year. Five extremely tough games. And yes, I think at Boston College at Boston College, I think that is a tough game. They've it's played gonna be, very yeah. well in Chestnut Hill. So to expect them to be able to do this on a consistent basis, especially going through that murderer's row, the last five games of the regular season, I don't know if that's realistic. You got to hope that Sidi Bay gets healthy, so he gives you an extra body. But Dolgaj did a great job in the middle. The the backcourt was fantastic. We had Greg Paulus on the show yesterday. That's what he said about this Syracuse team. You know, I said something about well they're they're struggling to score, and he said, yeah, but that backcourt, those guards scare me because of how they can score. They can score a variety of ways, and when they're on, they're on. And last night they were on. Last night they were on. Uh, perspective:
2: Tice Battle and Frank Howard combined for forty-seven points last night. Syracuse scored 44 on Saturday. Like yeah. you know, just to put in perspective, uh, both what they did last night and what Syracuse did on Saturday. It, it, like it was such a 180, and it was 48 hours from the end of one game to tip of the other. It was it was exactly 49 hours between the end of one, the beginning of the other, and to turn around to only have six to travel. We hear they had travel issues now, uh, but to to figure all of that out and go on the road and beat a team that is top 25 in the RPI, that's top 40 in Kenpom, that's going to be a Category 1 win, and to go on the road and beat that team and really be in control for the majority of that game...
1: Uh, that was wildly impressive. That is pretty much going to be guaranteed a quadrant one win, regardless what Louisville does for me. They decimate, have to fall out of what? Out of the top seventy five.
2: Oh yeah, they're not doing
1: that. No, unless they absolutely just lose everything from here on out. But that's not going to happen. So that is that is a guaranteed quadrant one win to do that on the road, and that's the benefit of how they've kind of tweaked things. That you know you get more credit for going on the road and winning a true road game, and they did that last night. And now to your point that you've been making several weeks, now it's you know UConn away. And now you wanted Georgetown. Now and you're up to four. Now you're up to four. So and, and of those four,
2: one of them is a legitimate quality right. win. One so, of them's really good. So I think that we're done talking about whether Syracuse has won enough road games. The question now becomes: Have they won enough games? And like to this point, the answer is no. Um, have they won enough quality games? I think that you would have to probably say to this point, the answer is no. Also, right? They they've really got like one great win. Um, they do have six quadrant one or two wins, which I was surprised, but I saw that last night. Um, but, you know, that that could fluctuate. But if they get to the level, and this is something I've been thinking of since the end of the game, if they get to the level where you've got enough wins, right, whether that number is 20, whether that number is 19, and, and 9 and 9 overall in the conference, um, you're going to get more quality wins just by nature of the schedule coming up. You know, you mentioned Boston College on the road, you know, Wake Forest and, and NC State at home. You know, maybe those aren't Quadrant 1 wins or Quadrant 2 wins. Uh, but, you know... BC on the road would be quadrant one or two. You know, NC State, uh, UNC, Duke, Clemson, all quadrant one or two. Uh, So, yeah, if they now get to that plateau, right, where they're at 20 wins, which is the the quote-unquote magical number that's really not a magic number, but it's just kind of that benchmark we set, like they're going to have enough quality wins to probably get in, right?
1: Yes. Nine and nine would mean they, they pick up four more wins. And that would also get them to 20. They have seven games left. Five of those are against NCAA tournament teams. I think we would all agree NC State is in based on that resume and the the teams they've beaten Carolina, Duke, Clemson, and Miami. Those five of the seven are against tournament teams right now. Uh, And Boston College again in Chestnut Hill is, is a different team. So it's in order to get Four more, yeah. They're, they're yes. I mean, you're absolutely right. They're going to have to pick up another couple that think would two, be right. that would be impressive.
2: I think just by by default, two. Uh, and that's they, why I if said they I've win been the saying four for games, weeks, two of them will be quality wins, and they'll have enough to and they'll have enough to blow to blow over the line and get into the
1: tournament. And that's I've been saying that for weeks. That it does it doesn't matter. It just, the number at the end of the day is what matters, especially in this conference. If you're nine and nine in this conference, couple that with the eleven and two non-conference record. I'm telling you, I. I would feel good about that. Now, would you feel better if you go to Brooklyn and, and win a game or two? Absolutely. But 9-9 nine and nine in this conference, 20 wins in the regular season, 11-2 and two during non-conference, and you got a couple of those quadrant one wins down the stretch. I, I, I think that's enough. Now, the question
2: still remains, and we can get to this in a little bit because we have Alan Griffin coming on. Question still remains, do we think they can do it? Right, like at the end of the day, that's the question that's still out there. Like, can they actually do this? Uh, can they beat Wake Forest on Sunday? Well, you better, right? Like, like that's a game that you've got to have. I think that beating NC State at home, while a, a tough test, and, and NC State has won some really good games, and they want at at UNC. Like, you probably want to win that game to really have a shot at your NCAA tournament hopes. So, you know, there's opportunity, but the question remains: Can they
1: do it? And that's a great question. And I think we can spend a good majority of of this first hour talking about that. We do have Alan Griffin coming up. Let's quickly get a phone call in, though, uh, before we bring on Griff. We've got Jake in Syracuse wants to check in on SU basketball. Hey, Jake.
0: Hey, guys. um, Great win last night. We really needed it. I don't know about you, but I think I'm more frustrated with this team after the win. Like, where's the offensive output been? In five years, we go to Louisville. We can't win in Louisville. Now we've in Louisville, but we can't go to Georgia Tech, who has a losing record this season and beat them. So I'm just frustrated and confused by this team. And one more thing I wanted to say about uh, the Philadelphia Eagles the other day. Uh, as an Eagles fan,
3: you can't keep
0: Nick Foles. Uh, maybe the Bills can you know, put a trade for him, but you got a young quarterback who is third in MVP voting. And if you keep him on the bench, as soon as, as, soon as Carson Wentz throws one bad pick, Crowd's going to go berserk and start wanting their uh, Super
4: Bowl MVP to come in. So I, I just don't see how they keep him around. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that part. It is the starter, and if you're the Eagles, Foles has value now. Like I why?
2: actually totally
1: disagree. Why?
2: Each one's making seven million. You don't have a lot of money tied up in it. Everybody in the world knows Carson Wentz is the better quarterback and the starter and the face of the franchise. So every any Eagles fan and I know what would happen if, if Wentz throws a couple of bad passes. Any Eagle fan out there who's booing and saying, we want Nick Foles to play over
1: Carson Wentz is out of their minds. When is Nick Foles' value going to be oh, any never. higher? Never. 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 But
2: here's the other question. Never.
1: Here's the other question. He is a backup in this league. He is. But
2: here's a a, a serious question. Do we know how long it's going to take Carson Wentz to come back? Like, Is he actually going to be ready week one? Isn't it just an ACL? I don't know. Was it? I think so. But like, is he, I have no reason to believe does he's that, not. going to But be does ready that make week, him ready, week, ready one? week one? And do you want the insurance policy? And would you rather the insurance policy be Nick Foles or Nate Sudfeld?
1: I mean, depending on what. You, here's the thing: if I'm the Eagles, I'm I'm listening. I'm listening to offers, and if I get something I like, then I I do it. Because Carson Wentz is the quarterback there for X number of years. He is is. not Nick Foles. And Nick Foles' value is never going to be higher than it is this very second. I would trade him. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village. Phone lines now open the rest of the way. We want to hear from you on Q's basketball 315 437 7644. As I said at the top of the show, Seth, um, I, was, I think I was on the verge of kind of turning the page on this season. You said you I already, was like one foot out of the pool already. You had already. Well, you yeah. told me last night you had already given yeah. up. Uh, but well, I think well, you've jumped yes. Have you jumped
2: back in today? Uh, I'm, I'm getting there because. I had given up not because they lost to Virginia by fifteen points, but like the way that week went. And this was like a, a danger zone question that I wasn't sure I really wanted to pose, but like it got me to start wondering the game the the team that played those three games. The team that played and beat Pittsburgh, lost to Georgia Tech, and lost to Virginia. Like, that game, right, those three games, was that team a good enough team to, like, even make the NIT? And and I just, like, batted this question back and forth in my mind, and I was like, man, if this is the rest of the year, they'll make the NIT because, like, they've—they'll be- they'll make the NIT because of the work they've already done, right? Like, they've done enough that, you know, if they just finish out mediocre, they'll make the NIT. And, like, that's not even a question. But the way they were playing last week, I seriously questioned, like, if that team was good enough because— like they weren't scoring. The defense was there. They were playing at this slow plotting pace and they weren't making any shots. Like it, it was just so brutal to watch that like I was ready. I was like ready to jump out and, and just be done. Um and be like, oh, it's baseball season. Like getting ready for Yankees on deck. Um last last night made me a lot more interested. Last night gave me this thought that, like, oh, Maybe they can win a couple of games here and make things interesting. And that's all they've got to do. They've got to win a couple more games.
1: It's amazing. Well, they need to win more than a couple. They, they need to win, to win four. four or five. Yeah, um, It's amazing how one game can change the perception of, of everything for both teams involved. Like We're talking about Syracuse being back on the bubble. I read an article in a... In a Louisville publication last night, about how Syracuse's resume is better than Louisville, and how thing. you know basically Syracuse deserves an NCAA tournament invite more than Louisville. They have identical overall records; both are sixteen and eight. Louisville is six and five in conference. Syracuse five and six. You look at at the Cards' wins though in conference so far. Just going to rattle them off here. They beat Pitt. Their one good one was at Florida State. They beat Virginia Tech. At home, they beat Notre Dame on the road. Again, Notre Dame shorthanded. They beat BC at home. They beat Wake Forest at home. And they got crushed by Kentucky. Here's a question. Lost by double digits to Virginia. They've now lost three in a row. Lost to Florida State at home and, and now lost to Syracuse at Question home.
2: for you, Steve. What's a better win, at Florida State or at Louisville? Because right now, in the RPI, Louisville is 24th, Florida State is 41st. In Ken Palm, Florida State's twenty second, Louisville thirty seven. So they're which about, one's the
1: better way? I think they're about the same. They're probably the same. I think right? they're about the same. Yeah, um, I think at the end of the day, Florida State is a better team. I do um, too. But again, the the way that Syracuse did, and I realize the committee's not going to you know look so deep to see that they had six healthy bodies, and yeah, I I get that. Well. But-
2: well, but they'll know that
1: if they still have no, six healthy bodies right, by, by the, the end. The end. Year, by the end of the year, uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Griff just said that that Barama would have been ready in an emergency if they needed him. Was last night not an emergency? Uh, they I found were pretty, that pretty darn close yeah. to being in an emergency. Uh, maybe if a couple guys fouled out, but I, I guess that's that's encouraging to hear that he that he wasn't ruled completely out. Um, but yeah, they were they were definitely teetering on emergency status last night with all the foul trouble they were dealing with. Um, but in any event, you know you Frank, could make the case. Frank,
2: what pull, pulled up half his palm? Is that what it? Is that what happened on that? It that looked like skid? it.
1: It looked like it. Hey. Yeah. Yikes. Um, but in any event, you could make the case that at this point, right now, Syracuse ha- has the better resume. And as I said, a, a Louisville publication actually did make that point last night, and and made a made a pretty strong case. Let's go to the phone lines 315-437-7644. Scooter in Jamesville up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Scooter.
0: Hey guys, uh, first uh, uh, New England actually won one in three against NFC in the Super Bowl, so it's amazing that the NFC actually has, basically maybe the uh, Patriots' number, maybe the style of play, the physicalness, and and stuff like that. But but the, but I think coming college ball, I mean, if you're, if you're actually watching the whole landscape, I mean, I know you guys got to concentrate the ACC, and you, you know me, I'm actually a, a you know a sports fan. And i got other interests besides Syracuse and other teams, and I enjoy watching other styles of play and other league styles of play. But I think there's a ton of teams on the bubbles. And and when I heard, Seth, you're talking about the different classifications of wins and losses, and it seems to me you're taking out the human element. For example, who wants to play Butler at Butler? Ask Villanova over the last couple of years i mean there's there's yeah, certain the, the there's certain of the stuff that analytics can't you know can't determine especially it, like on, on, at home like you know Seth, you had said earlier that the a c c is like seventy percent at home all right so actually a win on the road is actually could to could, could be a lot more important this year than last year, but other other leagues are like that too because they play on campus and stuff like that, and I'm just wondering in other leagues um you know i look at you know, i look at these small band boxes you know to you go out to the, uh, the, the Big 12, Every, everything seems to be eight, nine 9,000, 10,000-seat arenas and stuff. And I'm just wondering, and I just can't believe Washington, who's basically beaten two, two top 10 teams and the team that Arizona State was 25, and they're not in the top 25. So analytics or you know, actually watching the team itself, I don't know how that's going to happen because I think there are about 40 teams that should be in the bubble this year. They're, they're all going to have 11 or 12 losses. Yeah, I, I mean,
2: look, the problem is that uh, the committee can't watch every single game for every single team, and you have to rely on analytics. And, you know, you're hoping at the end of the day that the analytics are all encompassing, right? Saying a 10-com rating or an RPI about, or a I, I'm whatever. You watch
0: them every week. I mean, didn't, didn't last year, didn't they try something like the football where they had like three or four of these, those things that actually announced who, if it was actually the top You know, 16 teams seeded?
2: Yeah, they had one of them, and that's coming up, I think, this weekend. But right. I mean, look, the the point of analytics and the point of using these analytics is to to say, okay, let's get an all encompassing metric. You know, it's the same as the AP poll, except they just do it with computers and calculators and 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 you know formulas, and and they're trying to put together, okay, just how difficult is it to win at Cameron, right? And and does that, and how big of an edge does that give Duke? You know, how difficult is it to win at the KFC Yum Center, and how big of an edge does that give Louisville? And you know that that's all factored into each of these metrics and and advanced stats.
0: Okay, that's gonna be predetermined then, right? Playing a Cameron is, sure. is hard, even though there may be a bunch of you know maybe maybe this year Duke's got all a bunch of walk-ons theoretically. And it's almost like it's predetermined that going into this year, it's hard to win at Duke. Depends on their team. Like I said, Butler, who who wants to play Butler at Butler in the, in the Big East, or who wants to go play Creighton at Creighton? I mean, if look at the wins over the last couple of years; they've knocked off some top 10 teams, but I don't know if analytics would show that because, you know, you know, Butler's Butler and Duke's Duke.
1: And that's why they have human beings pick the teams and, right. and not computers, because, I, and I think that's a good point by Scooter. Yeah, at, at some point it comes down to, yeah, you want to compare blind resumes, but I think you also need to compare, you know, yeah, I've seen this team play or i see that team play, and, and this team's better than that team, or, you know, that team went to Butler and won, or, you know, I, I agree with Scooter that there is a human element involved. There are biases involved, which is why when a certain team is being considered on the bubble, the commissioner of that conference has to step out of the room because there are biases involved. So, um, yes, there's a human element. I think you need that human element. You don't want just the computers to pay. I mean, look at what happened with college football, right? When they had the BCS standings and it, right. was, com- it was strictly It was strictly computers. Now you you have the ability to say, you know what? Alabama looks like the best team in the country. So we're going to put Alabama, you know, they're one of the four best teams. Right. So we're going to put Alabama. Even though they didn't win their division, they're in. See, I would prefer that. You know, yeah. and, and yes, there will be debate today. and teams five and six will be upset. But I would prefer to have that. That human element that can look at it and say, you know what, they're they're among, you know, the four best teams in the country. We're going to put them in, or they're among the the best, you know, thirty two at large teams in the country. We're going to put them in. I, I think that's important. So, I like the fact that it's not just about computers. And I get his point that it's you know how do you, how do you put that into a computer formula that. You know, a game was won at Cameron opposed to, well, you know, the Tucker Center in Tallahassee. That's what
2: Kempom is all about. Kempom's rankings, literally, No, I know, but are I'm a saying predictive it's not... model where it says, oh, Syracuse is going to Duke? They're supposed to lose by 15. Oh, they only lost by seven? They get a bump. My like, point like is it's not boy.
1: it's not definitive. Like, yes, I know you can work it into a mathematical formula, but right. it's, it, you know, who is to say you know, one person's opinion of, of Cameron it might be different sure. than, than another person's. Or one person's opinion of going to the KFC Yum Center might be different than another. So I, th- my point is, it's not definitive. Um, but I, I think, you know, there is the need to have a human element. You don't want computers just strictly sure. picking these off the RPI. Sure,
2: but at the same time, as we look at this and we go over it for the next month, because that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, well, as long as Syracuse keeps winning a couple of games every now and then, uh, we're going to be doing that. Uh the easiest way to prepare for this is to say Syracuse has this many wins in this quadrant, this many wins in this quadrant, right. this many in this quadrant, and this and this. And this is how they stack up against this team, this team, this team, and this team. Right now they're six and two six and six in quadrants one and two. Not bad. Not bad. They don't have a bad loss, right? They right now, they don't have a terrible loss. Um, they don't have a loss in quadrant three and four. I don't believe. Gotta so, hope that Georgia
1: Tech keeps winning.
2: Georgia, Georgia Tech is at 133, so so it's close. Uh, but right now, they don't have a bad loss. And right now, they've got some wins in the top half of that quadrant formula. Uh, what happens based on that, I have no idea. But that's the easiest way to measure it for now.
1: 315 437 Let's get another phone call in. Doug in North Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. we talking lacrosse, Doug, or are we talking some basketball?
4: Well, naturally, we're going to get a little bit of that in there, but I just wanted to check with Seth to make sure that he didn't misspeak earlier. He said that uh, he had almost given up on the basketball team and he was ready to turn the page to baseball season, and I've got to imagine that he really meant to turn it to a lacrosse Struck season, a right? nerve
1: with you, yes. I, I, <laughs> I'm I, I sorry. I get that. I'm really
4: excited <laughs> about my Yankees. All right, listen. Now, you know the lacrosse boys open up this weekend, but I'm going to tell all your listeners, don't be stupid and not go to the Dome in a couple of weeks when they play Albany. The Albany team is like absolute dynamite, fire, and just, just to hope the Manicoat that they brought in to go along with uh, Ray and Field, that attack, I believe, and certainly I could be wrong, I believe it's going to be the best in the country. That's going to be some fast-paced, high-powered stuff. Steve, quick question for you, Mr. Knowledgeable. One I think I'm right with this. Who's the only team who ever had two and Award winners on on, on on one team in one year?
1: Um, in one, is it? I mean, is it Albany?
4: Got to be, buddy. Thompson boys, brother. I would, I would think so. They, yeah. Do they, we know they that they there's only th- been one? There had, probably has only they, been one, right? They they got three and winners in two years. Right. That's, that's incredible. And that that's is. the team that's coming in. So I'll let you get back to your hoops, but I just wanted to throw that in.
1: Well, listen, Doug, we've got the uh, the season premiere of the Upstate Lacrosse Show on Saturday, myself and Rick Beardsley. So by all means, listen and, and give us a call on Saturday. We are up against the clock. Got to take another timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.
4: This is a public service announcement. Our take on the
3: day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation.
0: Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. It's
1: brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore, CPAs. Uh, no Max Burgandy. I'm starting to get nervous about Max. I uh, thought he Seth. was just Super Bowl sick. It turns out he might be more than that. Are you sure that he didn't just like really, really celebrate a lot and he's sick for two days? He, just, you know, he, he can't recover like he used to be able
2: yeah. to? You know, I thought one of those people on top of the, the hotel awning looked familiar.
1: We'll have did to you get not to the see that video? It. I did not.
2: Oh, you missed out. You know like the the fabric awnings? Yeah. Over like front doors? Uh, one collapsed in Philadelphia because there were too many people standing on it.
1: Can't do
3: that.
2: No. I would I, I was impressed with how many people were on it before it fell. I thought like two people and that thing would fall down. It took like twenty.
1: Interesting. Yes. Um, do we have any idea if Max is going to be back tomorrow? Have you have you spoken? Is, is we, he okay? Joe, we think he's tomorrow, right? Have you, have you well, He'd better be here tomorrow. Have you just exchanged text messages? Have you exchanged. spoken with him?
2: Uh, I spoke to him late on Sunday night.
1: Okay. He and was
2: expecting to come in on Monday. He was? Yes. Even after the game? Yeah, it was after the game. All right. He called to make fun of me and tell me he was going to do a segment on air just making fun of my pick.
1: All right. Well, hopefully Max you know is what? back Since tomorrow. Since he's
2: been out for two days, he doesn't get that that segment anymore. I said, fine, do whatever you want. He doesn't get that segment anymore.
1: No Max today. Uh, instead, we're stuck with uh, Joe Salzone. was? Uh, yep. You know, um, thanks for filling in, I think. Um, what do you have for us today in today's business?
3: I have four items for you. We'll start with number one, because that's usually where you start with number one. Syracuse.com released their top 75 Section 3 high school basketball players of all time. Steve was not on the list. Was he snubbed? <laughs> I can't respond to this. <laughs>
1: And Seth has no idea. Yeah, I don't I, have an answer. He was like three when I was in high school. Uh, Probably not even. When were you born? What year? Your senior year. You were born in '94. Yeah. Oh, so you were. That hurts even me. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was ten All in right. 1994. Well, maybe you should answer this. Uh, okay. Should
2: we have called up? Should we have called up the the folks from Syracuse.com and gotten the rationale for why you weren't on it? You're accomplished. You you beat CBA five times. You won a state
1: championship. Well, so yeah, Brenex, uh, he he made me aware of this. He tweeted at me and, and said I was left off the list, and and that was my response to him. Uh, you know, back to back sectional titles, junior and senior year, won a state title, uh, was News Channel Nine athlete of the week, five and zero against CBA. You know, what else do I need to do? Then I looked at the list and I immediately went to number seventy five, and number seventy five happened to be somebody that I that I played against in nineteen ninety four grad of West Genesee. Joe, uh, Jeff O'Connor, who I I, I knew growing up, um, he was better than me, so I'm, I can sleep at night. I mean, if he is seventy five, then I didn't deserve to be on the list. How long that's do the we ex- I look at it? How long do we extend the list before you get on it? Well, I think I'm, I might have been seventy six. Okay, I might that's that's what I'm telling myself that I might have been seventy six. So, like, if they had extended it to a hundred, you probably would have been there. No, I don't know. I'm <laughs> just I'm just joking. Um, but I'll tell myself. Is that okay? Can I tell myself I that? I think you can. I mean, why did they stop at 75? That's, that's a I'm very gonna, arbitrary number. That's what I'm going to tell myself. If it went to 100, I would have been on the list. But Jeff O'Connor was better than me. Jeff, if you're listening, hope all is well. Um, I, I can, Sims I can was on the list. Of, was, course yeah. of course he was.
2: Of course he uh, was. I should also note, uh, Danny Shays was very high on the list. Yeah. I think he was like
1: four. So This area has produced a lot of great... High school basketball players slash college basketball players. So uh, no shame in, in not being on that list. So I know you wanted to have some fun with that and, and make fun of me a little bit. Um, Just had to I'm, bring it up. I'm okay with it. I'm I'm completely okay with it.
3: The San Francisco Giants will retire Barry Bonds' number this summer. Bonds has been snubbed by Hall of Fame voters so far, topping out at 64% of the vote.
2: Fair or foul to retire his number four. he's in the Hall of Fame? I think it's fine. I have no issue with it. I think it's fine too.
1: Why? What what I mean I don't know. Apparently do people whatever.
2: are like, "Hey, he shouldn't I think the Giants had a policy at, actually at some point that like they weren't going to retire numbers until they were in the Hall of Fame.
1: What, what I have no issue with it. Where do you stand on whether or not he should be in the Hall?
2: He should be in. He should be in because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Hall of Fame is a museum about the game's history. So, you put the best players in, you say what you got to say about them on their plaque, and you go on with your day. You say it was heavily suspected that he took steroids. We know Pete Rose bet on baseball. Like, just put it on their plaque.
1: Is there be obvious? Is there a way to honor the player without honoring the player?
2: I mean, in in theory, they're in the museum. They're in the in the museum wing. They're just not in the plaque gallery. Look, see, that's that's my preference. You're talking about like
1: he's part of history. There's there is this thing called the steroid era, and he was the best player in the steroid era, and Roger Clemens was the best pitcher in the steroid era, and and it's part of the museum, and it's part. It's not like their careers never happened, but you they're not in the hall. You recognize their careers, but you don't necessarily honor the individual player. That is that's my preference on this.
2: Look, I, I look at it as this. Uh, they're the be- They were the best players in the game. The two of them were the best players in the game for a twenty-year period, right? I mean, like Barry Bonds by nineteen ninety-three was the best baseball player in the world, you know, and that continued for another decade plus. Uh, I put him in the Hall of Fame. Bar- Roger Clemens by nineteen eighty-seven was one of the best. Uh, was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He just was, and so I would put him in the Hall of Fame. Like that's just. You know, my opinion. I'm putting them in. And I think that you're seeing a trend towards moving them in. I think that eventually they're going to get in.
3: Matt Patricia was officially hired as Lions head coach, and he's bringing along his former boss. Bear with me here. Paul Pasqualoni. Is that close? There you go. Oh, Nailed how about it. that? Yeah, that pies on. Uh, to be a mm-hmm. member of the defensive staff, are you surprised that uh, Coach P is still coaching?
1: <laughs> I can't believe. Do you know how old he is, by the way, Joe? this I, I mean i 76 I, I, uh, 68 i close. still thought that was I, why he's 68 he's still doing this he's been coaching for amazing. 45 years
2: i'm amazed by anybody who does who coaches for like 40 years or, or whatever it is him george de Leon, uh Jim beheim like what you're doing this for 40 something years like that's insane that's insane to me. So yes, I would be surprised he's still coaching.
1: And he's, you know, he he has experience being a defensive coordinator in the NFL. It sounds like they're giving him strong consideration to be the DC there. We all know Matt Patricia was on his staff as a grad assistant in in the early 2000s. So there's the the connection there. Um, I think it's great. I think it's great that Coach P is continuing to do what he loves to do. He's gonna get another shot within with an NFL team. Uh this will be his fifth NFL team, I believe. Um and you know what? I'm obviously a Bills fan. Will I be, you know, rooting for the Lions on most Sundays because Matt Patricia, you know, local guy and Coach P are there? Absolutely. Did good, you see, good for him.
2: Did you see the picture of Matt Patricia from his year with SU? He's he an offensive grad assistant, no beard. Yes. I I can't believe it's the same person
1: looks a, a lot different and does not an even look remotely like he does right now
3: and the girl scouts are investigating whether a scout who set up a table outside of a marijuana dispensary to sell cookies broke any rules any thoughts brilliant business strategy you're selling cookies outside
2: of a, a pot dispensary i don't see how i don't i i hope this doesn't break any rules because that sounds brilliant Right, I mean, like, what what's wrong with this? I don't know the Girl Scout rules. I didn't really know anybody in in Girl Scouts. We'll have to ask Brent because his daughter sells cookies too. Uh, I I don't see what rule this breaks.
1: One uh, fact that you probably don't know about me, Seth, is that I was a Girl Scout uh, as a kid. And you're gonna say what? My mom was a Girl Scout leader. My sister was in the Girl Scouts, and I was like six, and so I had to go to all the meetings. So I knew like the song, and I knew. So you like know a, everything. So I was I was like an honorary Girl Scout for about two years.
3: I don't know why, but I, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> what does <laughs> that mean? No, it, it means nothing. I'm just, I. It's like yeah, that sounds
1: about right. Of course you were. It, um, but I was six, and I I I Doesn't don't, make you a bad person. Well, I don't know if that breaks... That that never came up. Uh, that, that particular <laughs> situation never came up at one of the meetings. Well,
2: you know, I'm reading up on this, and apparently it's that you can't sell the cookies in a commercial area, uh, which, like, I guess a strip center that has a marijuana dispensary, like, I, I guess that would be a commercial area. I just don't really know that's a rule. If you're not in the store... Like if you're on the sidewalk, why can't you be on the sidewalk and say, here, buy my cookies as you go in to get your uh, drugs?
1: If you're off the property, I don't see a problem with it. I know like they have the same issue at Madison Square Garden. Like When we go down there and we shoot stand-ups for the news, there is on the sidewalk, there is a designated area that is not Madison Square Garden property. So you are allowed to stand there, but if you're like five feet over in front of the marquee, well, you're on our property, you can't be there. So yeah, if you're off the property, I see no problem with it.
2: Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning, tax preparation services, and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com.